Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. Sometimes our own plans and callings veer away from what is perceived to be the right path by those around us. So how do we truly understand what the right career decisions are for us? And how do we step out to follow our own purpose? In this episode, we spoke to Chris Gall, who after moving to London, started his career at the UN in a role which carried a lot of social capital, where because of the profile of the organisation, he was perceived as dynamic and accomplished by those around him. But after no longer being able to ignore the pull he felt towards working in the church, he quit his job to become a trainee pastor at a church in South London. On this week's podcast, Chris shares his journey from working at the UN to giving in to his instinct and pursuing his purpose, how important it is to understand our own identity away from our jobs, and the powerful effects of personal transformation on those around us. Let's listen in. So yeah, thank you so much, Chris, for joining me. Um, I realise that we've actually been in contact through Facebook for a few years. Um, but it was great to have you at Magpie event recently and really excited to virtually sit down and chat. Um, yeah. So the first question I always ask to really get a vibe of the type of person you are, the type of conversations you like to have. If you could have dinner with four guests from any era, who would they be and why? In no particular order. Um, I've gone for um, Bear Grylls to start with. Um, and the reason I've gone for Bear Grylls is because I am nothing like him. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was just about to ask, are you really into adventure? But evidently no. not. So, so I, I love the island. You know, he, for those who don't know, so he takes a group of people and leaves them on an island for a month. They get given a jerry can and a machete and they have to survive. And even the camera crew are part of this. And so are the medic team that are on there as well. And I watched this with my wife for a couple of years and we were like, we could do that. We could <laughs> so do that. Anyway, then about a year later, my wife and I decided to go on holiday to France and we were going to go on a camping holiday. And um, we went camping by the sea in like uh, a place called um, like a town. And, um, and we had a tent, we had a blow up bed. I even bought a mini fridge and I had a fan and I couldn't survive. It was too hot. And I thought, if I can't survive camping in France with a bed and a fridge and a fan, there's absolutely no way I could survive on a Bear Grylls island. Uh, the other one I've gone for is a guy called um, Desmond Doss, who is famous because he was the subject of the film Hacksaw Ridge. Um, have you seen that film? It's, no. Um, so it's, it's an amazing film. Andrew Garfield is the lead actor in it. And it's about a conscientious object- objector um, for, who was drafted into the, the American army during Vietnam. So he basically went along, but he wouldn't pick up a gun. And when we were in the film, it's 100% worth seeing. But his bravery in that, it just, it just led me to tears. I was in absolute tears watching this film. And not because it's sad, because of just the, his bravery in that as well. And I think there's something that I more and more have, um, that touches my heart. And that's seeing people who are incredibly brave. Um, so I'd love to speak to him as well and just be like, what is it that, that makes people like that tick? You know, what is it there in their heart to, to have them stand up in the way they do? And that, that leads me on to my third dinner party guest, which um, was, is Rosa Parks. 
Um, again, the person who, you know, started arguably the civil rights movement and just had enough, just absolute bravery. And it's just like, I'm not moving from the seat. Like, again, sitting by someone who's not just talked about stuff, but done it and, and maybe, you know, I, you know, never wrote a book and things like that, but actually still changed history through bravery. I think I think that's why I keep coming to is people who are brave. Well, I just have so much respect for, and maybe because I felt like I haven't had to leave lead too much of a brave life myself. And then my fourth dinner guest is um, Bill Johnson, who is the pastor of um, a church in California um, called Bethel, who a lot of people know. And I I went to Bethel for a year um, about seven or eight years ago. And, and it changed my life. And so, and I find him quite brave in a very different way. In America, um, he, I think Bethel, they were quite unique for quite a while and being very focused on being a, a church that um, was focused on the Holy Spirit. And I know culture in America, a lot of America is Christian, um, but they feel they felt quite unique. And, and as somebody who will come on to it later on, I'm sure has changed career and learning to be a church leader. I, again, being brave in the face of culture to wig, I'm going to go with the courage of my convictions and what I believe God is telling me to do. Again, oh my gosh, how how do you really do that? I love that. Um, courage is definitely something that I admire in people as well. Um, so what's a surprising or unusual fact about you? Uh, an unusual fact about me is if you, if you met me, you, um, you'd be surprised at the, the career that I previously had, um, is that I was involved in one of the first meetings in the House of Lords about pushing through uh, what we now have as an anti-slavery commissioner. But back then we asked for an independent rapporteur on, on human trafficking. Um, so I'm really proud of the fact that I was involved in that meeting. Um, and to be fair, all the work was done by... Um, a brilliant charity called Care, who worked with MPs and work at a really, really high level and put together all the briefing. They just, because I worked for the UN, they just said, could you be part of the presentation as well? Um, so that surprising fact is I was, I was there in the early days with that sort of thing. And um, it's one of the things I think I'm most blessed to have been a part of. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I think that was around the time yeah we first got connected yeah. Yeah. um and then finally, a long time ago now it's about, <laughs> nine, it's about nine years ago i think um and finally i'm sure hard with a newborn but how do you switch off and relax uh so pre previously it would be to go camping um and not like fancy camping, although I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, my wife and I found um only about an hour and a half drive from where we live like a woodland glade where there's nothing there there's a there's a toilet uh, and people can come there you can just have wildfires it isn't like you know it's not contained and i've just found that when you know what it's like living in a city you're busy all the time your mind is busy like so for me to get out and just be around nature and just have a a fire uh, and surrounded by either just my wife or some really good friends and and that's it it's just it's like you know nurture to my soul it's amazing amazing definitely we are opposites in that way i've been a few <laughs> times and wish never to return so close to the ground it's, it's usually very <laughs> <cold>. <laughs> um so i want to start off because i always like going back in time and kind of seeing um people's childhoods and experiences and how that shaped who they are today so growing up what was your childhood like um where and how and what were the values that shaped you 
Yeah, so I grew up in Devon. I grew up in a small village um, and I grew up as uh, my mum and dad uh, are thankfully still together. I feel very blessed with that. I have a sister. Um, we were quite a working class family. Um, so definitely um, have navigated that. So since I've lived in London, the groups that I'm with tend to be more middle class. So I always kind of feel I do belong, but I don't belong. Um, there's, there's an element of kind of navigating two different worlds and, and I'm, I don't know, my, I think my humor is slightly different to my friends and that's probably because of my upbringing as well. But I think part of that, like my, my dad, um, was a, is a builder or was a builder. They're, they're actually foster parents now, but he was a builder and he just worked hard and I just, he'd be up before daylight to go out working. He, during, there was a recession in the nineties and he'd go to Germany and live in a caravan and work on a building site to send money home. So I think one of the, the sort of values that I th- I think I indirectly inherited that because it was never said to me as such would be like you've got to work hard like in a way no one's going to give you anything Chris um, because we didn't have we didn't have much um, but what we did have my my parents worked really really hard for um, so I think I always had that and. I mean, I'm sure they had loftier expectations than this, but they would say things like, if you're going to be a toilet cleaner, be the best toilet cleaner you could be. But work hard and work hard for your family, I guess, was the the main value that I got um, from a childhood growing up in Green Devon. (laughs) I love that. Um, And yeah, I think it's just really when we go on to talk about your career now that you say just the value of hard work, it, it really is very evident. So as you entered the world of work, what were your dreams and aspirations, particularly as you've mentioned the upbringing that you had? So, so this will probably surprise you. So when I when I you know decided what do I want to be, I wanted to work in the music industry, Ruth. I wanted to be like, I grew up around some friends who for a time were extremely famous pop stars. And so um, they... They, like we were really good friends they'd stay at our house every year because we lived in the countryside and they lived in the city so they'd come on holiday with us and um and so I just grew up around these guys and then they when they became like mega stars I was a bit like oh I quite like this industry and also <laughs> I quite I hate waking up in the morning and these guys don't seem to do anything before midday so if I could work in the music industry I could get a lay in that was my driving <laughs> my driving motivation um and so and then I'd moved to London and they'd introduced me to their management company. And they were a big management company at the time. They they had the likes of Lily Allen and Estelle and The Feeling and, things, and bands like that back in the day. Um, and so I really, that was the industry I wanted to get into, but um, I, I did not succeed. Um, so then from that point of wanting to be a music star, how did you end up working for the UN? So I, um, I this is, this is, um, this is amazing for me, really, in that, you know, as a, as a Christian, um, I look back and I see certain times where I think God directed me and I had no idea what was going on. And so I was, I just moved to London and I'd, um, I needed a job. And as I said, I, I would do any job. So I, I walked past the theatre in London and they were looking for a front of house staff. And my thing was like, I'll, I'll just get any job whilst I then trying to make roads in the music industry. And I was doing a course at City of London University in music business. And so I was just like, I'll do that. So I worked in this theatre and I met a chap who we got on really, really well. a really good friend to this day. And he said to me, um, we were working on a Christmas show as Scrooge. And he said, what are you going to do at the end of your contract? And I was like, I guess I need to find another job. And he worked um, for the UN in London. And he just said, like, we've got a load of jobs going with us. What did you do before? And I previously worked for local government 
back down in Devon. And I was like, well, I, I did this before. And he said, well, why don't I um, uh, give you the information and then you apply? And then it came to the interview. And for whatever reason, uh, the, the person interviewing didn't want me working with my friend, but they did want me to work <laughs> in the office. Um, so I started off just as a receptionist. Um, and then, you know, remembering do the job to the best of your ability, I basically uh, just worked really, really hard as a receptionist for about seven weeks. And then I caught the eye of the chief of mission, which is essentially the CEO. Wow. And he just was like, just the way you answer the telephone or things like that, there's a position going, why don't you apply for it? And um, and he just really took to me and said, look, you know, I like you, why don't you go for this job? And then I started on this kind of career ladder there. But it all started because I, I needed a job and I felt, you know, I needed to go into this theatre and I met this person and um, and he introduced me to this, this organisation. And it was at that moment I was in there like, okay, I can have a career in the UN or I could try and make it in the music industry. Um, and at the time, this shows my age, um, uh, CD sales were falling and no one knew where the music was going to go. And, you know, my space was taken off. Um, and I just thought, you know, what, it's probably a much more secure path to stay with the UN for the time being. Um, so that's how I got involved in the first place. What were some of your highlights in your journey working for the UN? So the highlights, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I got to travel a little bit in the early days. So the first experience of doing that was going to Nigeria and working in Nigeria for a while. Um, and that was really eye-opening. I was only sort of, I think I was just turned 24. Um, and we were not working in the in the capital we weren't in um abuja or, or lagos we were going out into the rural areas to do some work and that was incredible um, and that was such a privilege uh, from an early age to be able to see parts of the world i think that most people don't get to go and visit and see um and i also got to go and do some stuff in vietnam um as well which um took my un career path on it on a different trajectory it was such an amazing privilege for my, I guess, my formation in my 20s, which I think a lot of us are really formed in our 20s, um, to happen in such a multicultural um, environment where I'm aware of global issues. Um, so my highlight was definitely the travelling and then get to see a beautiful countries and meet beautiful people and have experience of beautiful cultures with food. Um, that, would, that would be a, a clear highlight for me. Wow, amazing. Um, so a lot of people would say that working for the UN, um, they would really see that as a pinnacle. But how or why did you decide to walk away from that? Um, I decided to walk away from that. I, the only way I can essentially uh, describe it in a metaphor would be, um, it's like dating. Uh, it was kind of like, you're dating someone and they're brilliant. And there's nothing wrong with them on paper. You know, they're very cool, they're beautiful, they're all these things, but they're just not quite the one. And I would say the UN was brilliant. It just didn't seem right. It just didn't seem to be the career I wanted to wed myself to forever. Um, And I had this, I guess, feeling in my heart and mind for many years that I probably was drawn to church and to church leadership but I also if I'm going to be brutally honest I kind of used to think it was a cop-out I used to think like oh you know people who are doing that's because they failed at their career or their job and now I'm doing it I realize it's just such a hard job to do and it's not a cop-out at all but I think I'd fought against it for a long time I thought I don't want to do that like it's not it's not for me it's not cool you know if you go to a wedding 
So, you know, I, I've been to many weddings in my life and people go, what do you do? You say, oh, I work for the UN. Oh, that's really interesting. Tell me more. Now, Ruth, what do you do? <laughs> I train to be a vicar and it's tumbleweed. It's just no one says that's interesting. I mean, it's not interesting, but nobody says tell me more. Nobody thinks that's interesting. So like there's part of my self where I was just like, it's not what I want to do, but I felt like I was being drawn to it and I had to do it. Um, and so the transition really um, has been interesting, but I absolutely love it. And, um, and yeah. So I'd love to hear more yeah. about the transition, um, but also were there times when you wrestled with whether you'd made the right decisions and what were some of those reasons maybe? Yeah, so I guess the transition has been, it was over a good few years. Um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier on, I, um, I went to, to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which when you go to get the visa for that, they look at you like, are you trying to get into X-Men, Xavier's school? Actually, the guy said that to me, he's like, is that a bit like X-Men? I'm like, I think some people think it is. <laughs> so um, so I, I went there and I had this year and it was an incredible year. Um, and that was the year I would say my heart found fully alive. Um, and it's easy to, to, to misconstrue why. Sometimes you can think it's, I mean, I did live in California. That was amazing. Um, and, in, you know, you can, you can say, oh, it's because I'm in a good community. Or you could say it's because you get to worship every day, as, you know, as we were doing at the school. Or you could be around inspirational leaders. But I think essentially it's because it was the sort of soil that I best grew in. So I, um, I never wanted to do anything else each day. So each day we were either learning about um, loving people well, essentially. Uh, and the more I learned about how to love myself well and how to love other people well and how I was in this environment, which was essentially um, the gospel was, is that God is a father who loves us. Um, and actually I was reading last week, um, for those who are listening to a Christian, I'm sure there's a few there's a, there's a passage um, where Jesus says, I've, I've completed your work. Um, and that was before he went to the cross. And I find that interesting that actually Jesus came to show us that God was a father. He constantly said it in you know, the Lord's Prayer, our father. He talks about these things all the time, um, Abba, father. And it was like God could be known as any other label master of the universe creator of everything lord emperor whatever he didn't he said i just want to be known the best way to describe me is father and so i started to learn that like what do we all need in life we just need to know that we're loved and that we're lovable and i think that if we can get to the heart of those things then we can see real transformation in ourselves and if i can trans if i can be transformed within myself um and and everybody can then we start to see the transformation of our families and our communities and society around us. So I started to I started to feel quite alive in that, and I felt like there was a purpose in that for me that hadn't been ignited in previous jobs. Um, and then, incidentally, it was um, I I was coming when I was coming back to the UK. I was a bit like I'm not really sure what I'm going to do because um, I'd quit the job at the UN, and I got told by a very good friend of mine who's quite senior in Geneva, like don't quit, take a sabbatical, you don't quit the UN. And I was like, a man full of faith going, it's fine, I'm going to be fine. God's got me, um, which is a bit naive, but it was fine. And, um, and then a month before I was due to come back, I was starting to think um, I need to probably start applying for jobs and things like that. Some people at this school um, came up to me and said, like, I feel like God wants to talk to you about 
going home, basically don't worry about the money. And I don't think I was that worried. I was a bit like, okay, that's nice, thanks. It's a bit generic. <laughs> and then and then actually someone asked about half an hour later came up and said the same thing. Like, I feel God wants to say to you, don't worry about this. So I then was like, okay, well, I don't really know what that means. Like, what do I actually do? Like, do I apply for a job? Do I not apply for the job? Are you gonna, am I gonna win the lottery? Am I gonna, someone gonna give me money? Like, I don't know what this means. So then what I chose to do is go home and pray, believing that I can hear from God. Um, and I just felt God say, don't apply for a job. Um, I've got your back. And I like to plan. I really like to plan. I don't mind anything. So I said, I'll work hard. I'll apply for jobs. I'll do whatever. Um, and it was a real trust thing for me to not apply for a job. Because um, also in my head is probably my family narrative of don't be lazy. Work hard. No one's going to give you anything. Anyway, the night before, I, 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 I just felt that God as a good dad said to me, enjoy your last month in california go to the beach parties with your friends like you know i want to bless you and then the night before i was due to fly home i got an email from my old boss at the un saying when are you flying home i've got a job i want to talk to you about and so i actually went back to the un after i came home but that was an amazing sort of moment for me i'd had this year in america and then i was coming back to go into the same office in the environment that I was in before and so I think it was good for me to see uh, the difference between the two um, and I, I worked there for a year and then I went to another charity for a while um, and then I started to work for a, 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 um, my church they said um, you know we had some discussions and, and they wanted me to do some student ministry work but equally that they also I was helping them to set up a charity on the side um, and because of my background working in sort of the humanitarian sector I was like I can I can help with some things um, and so I started to sort of dip in and out of the two worlds one of working for a church and then the other of working in 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 really good jobs as well and each time I worked in a church I just felt alive like fully alive inside so i was at a church um my my friend was running an evening course and he was saying you know as christians we believe that um prayer is a two-way thing we talk to god and we can hear from him too so he said does anyone want to put themselves forward um, and other people see if they can hear from god i put myself forward um to to hear from god so to speak and I think what was interesting is nobody said anything that really landed. Um, but I'd been wrestling with this concept of going for training in the Church of England. And I put myself forward on this night where people were to hear from God. And people said really encouraging things. What was interesting, I woke up the next morning and a friend of mine in New Zealand said she woke up in the night and she felt God say to her, tell Chris he needs to train to be a vicar. And she goes, I don't know if that means anything to you. And I was like, it's the one thing I'm wrestling with at the moment. So that's interesting. But also last night I put myself forward to say, God speak to me. And, and then you've been woken up and you've sent me this message. So that set me on this course of, as a man of faith. Like if I believe that I'm being told to do something, something I actually really want to do, I should start to explore that. Wow. Um, so I want to pick up on a point that you made. Um, and I think that for a lot of us, because we spend so much time working, it's very easy for our identity to be found in our work and the prestige that comes with that. And obviously you were saying how much of a kind of uh, conversation starter was working at the UN, which is a bit different to working for a church. Oh, yeah. so what have you learned about identity and work over your career journey? It's good. Uh, it's a good question. I think identity for me is 
is so important to get our heads around in terms of uh, for myself and 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 uh, just to clarify for me identity is essentially the set of beliefs that make up my understanding of who i am um however where do i draw my identity from is it in who i'm married to is it in what i look like is it in my job i had to go through a whole process of undoing um these things when i was about 30 i think i just wasn't happy like there was i don't want to i don't want to overplay it but like I, i would you know i was really really low as a person you know I, my life wasn't what i wanted it to be i'd say my mind wasn't what i wanted it to be i didn't like my mind i didn't know who i was um and i was just floundering so for me identity um as a christian can only really be defined and given to me by who god says i am um and that's incredibly liberating um when when one explores the christian faith and you look at what it is that um scripture tells us that we are like we are fully loved and there is huge significance for each person is significant so actually learning how was i made how am i wired being okay with that that is really what defines me um is is who was i made to be and then just loving that person um so therefore i could pretty much do any job and it doesn't matter because i'm still the person that i was created to be i'm still valuable i'm still significant we all are just a caveat i'm not trying to be big headed um so for me identity everything we do comes from our identity So if I believe that I'm here for a purpose, I'll probably do something purposeful. However, if I've been told my whole life that I'm stupid, I'll probably believe I'm stupid. So what we believe about ourselves is essential for then becoming what we do. Amazing. Um so a lot of people who maybe have a faith or at the start of their faith journey sometimes feel the pressure to do something explicitly faith-based in order to find their calling. Um you've obviously worked in two very different spheres. What have you learned about calling? And I guess the reason I ask is often I'll get messages from people being like I want to start a cake business. How can I bring my faith into that or my branding? And I think what I always try to emphasize even with like my journey with magnifies it's a very specific vision. Yeah. I feel like if God had called me to set up a media company that wasn't about sharing faith, I think it's more that my values as a person of faith should come through in how I run that rather than feeling the pressure that I can only be a Christian if what I'm doing is overtly Christian. Um so yeah, I'd love to hear more about your views on calling. Yeah, I mean that's why I love what you guys do. Like equally um you know i know a guy who is um lives in central lives and works in central london who's a, a hairdresser he's an amazing man and he actually uses his business to help people like massively so you could say i'm i'm a hairdresser how how could god use me in that or how can i make significant changes that so even the hairdressers like he tells me like people tell him their whole lives in that chair and he is able to hopefully counsel them a bit and show them again that they're loved and that they're significant. So so I for me I don't think I think your calling is who have you been wired to be? Get to know that person, get to love that person and then um and follow where that takes you. Um and don't don't be distracted. You may not know right at the start of the journey where it's going to lead you, but go for it. Like if you're a dancer, go and dance and be the best dancer you can be and don't worry about where it's going to end up. Just 
kind of be obedient in the moment, follow your heart, do that thing, and then I can guarantee it'll be a fun ride. Wow. Um, and so finally, I want to talk about faith. So how did you come to faith and how does faith affect your day-to-day life? My family weren't Christians when I was a kid. And then my dad became a Christian. Um, and then my mum followed a Christian. I think she had FOMO. So she um, decided that she didn't want to miss out. Um, and then but she grew up in an atheist household. Um, so then they started to drag us to church when we were like, oh gosh, seven or eight years old, me and my sister. And then teen years, I really was not bothered at all. I just either wanted to play football or hang out with my mates or probably try and chase girls. I wasn't very good at it, but I wanted to try. So I um, so I really was very uninterested. A friend of mine was a musician um, and he was playing a very small uh, Christian festival down in Devon, like two, 3,000 people would go. And so I used to go to this festival because some of my friends would go. And, um, and he was doing a sound check and I decided to go for a walk around this festival. And if I'm being brutally honest, I was probably looking for girls again. And I went into this big top tent and um, there was this worship music um, that was being sung and played by lots of people. And I felt a real sense of peace. Um, and I just remember thinking, um, God, if you exist, prove it and I'll follow you. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. Um, there was no part of the clouds. There was no neon signs. There was no angels. There was no nothing. Um, and then we fast forward a bit. My mum and dad started to go to a new church. And um, my mum knew the way to my heart was bribery. So she was like, if you come to church, we'll buy you a McDonald's afterwards. And I was a bit like, nah, I'm all right. I probably already had one. I was like, no, I'm fine. Um, and then she also knew the way to my heart. So she's like, oh, I think you'll fancy the keyboard player. And I was like, okay, I'll come and check out your church once. So I go along to this church and um, it's in the middle of the countryside, small town hall, um, not many, like maybe 30 people there, something like that. And there's this guy that, I can't even remember if he preached or if he just got up and said, I feel, again, God has given me some messages for the youth of the church. Like he wants to talk to them. And I'm just thinking, please don't talk to me. Like I'm really not here for that. I'm here for the McDonald's. I'm here for the keyboard player. I'm not here for that. And he, um, and he just, he obviously ignored my body language, you know, the kind of sullen teenager, crossed arms, don't talk to me. But he just came up to me and he said, two weeks ago you stood in a field and you shouted out to God, do you exist? And he's heard you. And I was like, no way. I was, I was freaked out. I couldn't sleep all night. And he said a load of other things that I, nobody would have known. He was like, you know, he's missed you. He, he met, like you've not been in a relationship for five or six years and he's, he wants you back. And he said loads of other things. And I was absolutely freaked out. I was, I was proper freaked out. I was like, this guy is, he's like, you know, Paul McKenna or whoever it was back at the time or, you know, Dynamo or someone like, how, how does he know this stuff? Like, this is impossible. And at that moment, I was just like, I can't, I personally can't deny this. There's, I can't rationalize my way out of this one. I tried. I Believe me, I tried. Um, but I was just like, I, I have to believe that this is real. So then I started to go along to church um, and, and started to learn um, who this God was that had randomly answered me um, via a German guy when I wanted a McDonald's and a keyboard player. Um, and my faith journey has not been straightforward. It's been very up and down. Like, well, I would, I was all in for a few years. Um, and then I actually, long story short, got engaged to the keyboard player. Um, 
And then we and we were together like four years and her mum and dad were the pastors of the church, but then it all imploded like the church just was, you know, it went all wrong. I won't go into it. Um, and so that relationship broke down and that really broke my heart, actually, that I never and I never dealt with it for many, many years. So much disappointment, so much hurt at the church, at Christians, at God, at, at things like that. So I pulled away from the church for years. I was just like, I'm not interested. I am not interested. I, I know I like you, Jesus, but the rest of you guys I think you're hypocrites. I'm not, I, don't, I, can't, I can't see what I'm reading in scripture playing out in life. So I pulled away for a long time. And then I tried to do life my own way and it was, it went really wrong. So then I, uh, about four years later, started to go back to church and, and I was like, God, I really need to know you for real. I don't want to know religion. I don't want to know um, these things. It has to be real. Otherwise, I'm not interested. It's not, I don't want it just to be another philosophy or another ideology or another set of rules. I need to know that you are this God who loves us and who is for us. Um, and my final question, we spoke a little bit about it before we got on, um, but particularly like working for the UN and the current world climate. Um, when you look at faith and fighting injustice, where do you stand on that? And what do you think is God's heart? I think God is always on the side of the oppressed. Um, but faith for me has to be a driver for justice. It has to be, I, I can't separate the two. I can't separate the fight for justice and faith out from each other. Um, as I said before, everybody's significant. Everybody, Jesus, I believe Jesus paid for everybody to live um, a life of freedom. And, and therefore I, my duty to him and to my fellow brother and to myself and to my fellow sister is to continue his work and that's to fight for freedom for people as well so amazing thank you so much chris it's been so great chatting to you thanks so much for joining us for this episode don't forget to subscribe and if you know anyone who might benefit from this go ahead and share this with them also don't forget to rate and review it really helps us out see you next time